0: Tonight, the music Check, 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 check.
1: All right, I think we got it. That
0: we uh... lose this crowd.
1: You better stop, Megan. I'm going to recruit you to wham. Yeah.
0: You're going to be a worship leader. Years
1: later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two years after graduation. Just finish your master's degree. Come on back. You're done.
0: <laughs> Welcome to TikTok Theology, a podcast that tackles the major trending topics on social media that concern the Christian faith. I'm Megan.
1: And I'm Stephen. We know you can't form a theology in three minutes or less but those videos can identify current issues. TikTok will give us the prompt and then we'll do a deep dive. Thanks for joining us in this exploration.
0: Today's topic, uh, we're chatting about church hurt, uh, church trauma, all of those fun little words. And so we're going <laughs> to jump back into it or jump right into it. Um, discussing this this light little topic <laughs> this afternoon. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> just
1: deal with a little trauma. No big deal. No
0: big deal. Just unpacking some some hurts and some pain.
1: All right, so church hurt. I think we've heard that term being said a lot more in the last five years than any time I can remember before. I would agree. Absolutely. And so what I think people are talking about with uh, church hurt is essentially religious trauma. Because mm-hmm. I think it could be also outside of the Christian church, but we see yes. it a lot of times in the context of the Christian church. Yes. And it's just the emotional and psychological distress that, that a church can cause or, or people in a church or organization, mm-hmm. um, maybe the pastoral structures or whatever, yeah. can cause onto people causing them sometimes often to leave yes. the church. Yes. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. That-, that
0: sounds about right. All right. Hey, I mean, that's pretty much the theme that I've heard across social media. As as our Gen Z representative, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that token is token Gen Z. Token Gen Zer. Um, that's definitely the context in which I've heard a lot of conversations. Especially, I've been around. Bible. We've been around Bible college students
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a while now. Church hurt comes up pretty often.
1: Yeah. Some of my st- like I, I'll be teaching a class that's like a ministerial class. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like principles of worship ministry or something like that. Yeah, And students will talk about their church hurt and even like how it was an act of God for them to even go to school to do ministry or yeah. to, to, you know, for ministry. A
0: hundred percent. I also know students who had that story where they were like, I was going to go to ministry and then church hurt. And then they were like, I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to go to Bible college, like all the things. And so, yeah, I think it's a pretty common, unfortunately, pretty common occurrence. What
1: are what are some of the reasons why they ended up persevering and just like, like going anyways?
0: Man, sometimes I mean God's after God is after you, man. Like when he gives a calling, he is he is after you for it. So I think that a lot of people, um, if their church hurt doesn't cause them to leave the faith, mm-hmm. then they may not be in church, but they still are in a relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And he's like
1: So that's so that's important. I, so like so church hurt mm-hmm. isn't necessarily deconstruction. No.
0: No, it is not.
1: Alright, how how would you differentiate it then?
0: So even as we had chatted about deconstruction a little bit before, is deconstruction is kind of the dismantling of your faith, religious beliefs, mm-hmm. um, theology, all the things. And a lot of people typically will journey through deconstruction and then unfortunately will walk away from the faith because they have dismantled everything that they've come to believe, yep. decide that they don't believe it anymore, walk right. away. Um I would say that church hurt is um being in the church the institution of a church um or in some form a congregation on a staff something along those lines and experiencing a hurt or a trauma at the hands of a pastor mm-hmm. or a leader or the church goers in general and then leaving that church yeah and then for some people it's bigger and then leaving the capital c church altogether and deciding that they are not going to attend church services or anything because it's been too traumatic. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're walking away from being a Christian. It just Mm -hmm. for a lot of people is I no longer believe in the institution of church Mm -hmm. because I've been so hurt. Um, I still love God. And so I'm just on my, me and me and God are, are homies one-on-one, Yeah. but, <laughs> and I do have my devo time and I read the word and all the things. Um, but I def, but there are people who, who do not go back to churches because it has a negative connotation for them.
1: For sure. For sure. And it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of, uh, whackness that can go on in the church.
0: In whackness, indeed. So the um, church is not immune <laughs> from said whackness. No.
1: <laughs> so what do you think are some of the, um, some of the main causes of church hurt?
0: Um, I think we have, I mean, hypocrisy is huge. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, the saying one thing from the pulpit living something completely different. Uh, legalism is big. Uh, just saying that there's specific, you have to do things this way, or Mm -hmm. you know, your faith is either disingenuous or blah, blah, blah. And this is stuff that's outside of obviously the biblical mandate and commands to do things. But when churches are like, you have to, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So like, but even when it is biblical, I think there's still a legalistic way yeah. of saying something, you know, like, um, like for example, famous passage when Jesus is talking with the, with the, uh, uh the Pharisees are attacking Jesus because, right. um, they got grain and they were eating on the Sabbath. Yes. And then they were like, Oh, you're breaking the law, this and that. And so taking a legalistic approach mm-hmm. and then, um, literally talking to Jesus, telling him he's breaking a law, Jesus right? Jesus is like, yeah.
0: b- be for real. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, um, and then Jesus says profoundly, um, the Sabbath was made for man, and man, not man was made for the Sabbath, yeah, and so one thing that's happening here is he's taking a a thing that was a rule, mm-hmm. given as a rule, yeah, and then showing you the principle behind it. Mm-hmm. And so, like the thing about rules is they can be too rigid like by by necessity, they can be too rigid, right. So they're like, have you ever had like a like middle school? Have you ever like, like middle school logic, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Like, uh, like I, if there's, if there's a group of people on this planet <laughs> that are absolutely terrible,
0: middle, schoolers. middle schoolers, sorry, it it's, no, it's, it's all it good,
1: but like middle school is a rough time. It definitely is. Oh like, yeah. It, it,
0: being like 11 to 13 is like the worst experience of my entire life. Yeah, it, was, I was it was like, really those, rough. those are the worst years yeah, you so can be alive. <laughs> we, we feel it. We feel it for you. We're all recovering middle schoolers. <laughs>
1: yeah. I had to, I had to teach middle school um for a year wow and it was so bad Mm. oh my gosh i was a youth pastor and that was like being a youth pastor in middle schoolers that was not a problem no but like being a a a middle school teacher teacher? yeah oh my gosh Mm -hmm. i had to teach uh i taught art and um and i have like (laughs) i have like an easygoing personality but then i can be like real strict with my rules because i want like standards to be like high and stuff like that absolutely and they just can't handle that stuff my friend who was just like like really just like like, hey, quiet, silence. And like, just like he was a Bible teacher yeah. in that same school. He had them on lock. He had them trained. And I was like, what are you doing? It's just uh, the way his personality is just very, like he, he's a Calvinist. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah, just he's very like. like no. <laughs> yeah, and no, so, okay. but like the middle schoolers, they would always do this. They would always have like this kind of like, well, technically, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whatever your role is. They're looking for
0: a way. They're a looking for a
1: way, a loophole. Well, technically I didn't. So you're like, hey, class, be quiet. And then they start whispering. You know? And but then I'm like.
0: Technically, I'm not being loud. Yeah, I told you all to be quiet. Well, I'm whispering. I'm quiet. That's quiet. I'm
1: like, oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> I can't with these, right? So I feel like that is what rules lend themselves to. Mm-hmm. Like a rule is rigid. So you can be like that technical person. Like, oh, well, technically, technically. I'm not doing this. Yeah. And so, um, and then so what Jesus was doing. Was he wasn't looking at the technicality of the rule, Mm -hmm. but he was looking at the heart and the principle behind the rule.
0: Right, The letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Exactly. It's the
1: spirit of the law. Yeah, exactly. Do not take the letter for the law. That's exactly right. And so I think a church can be legalistic even if the law is a good law. Right. Because they're taking the letter for the law and they're not looking at the heart behind it. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. What do you think? um, Because I remember there's, there's like ways that legalism is terrible when I was young. And I was a wee lad. Wee lad,
0: we lad yeah. <laughs> when,
1: when I was about, like, I think 17, 18, I started growing my hair out, and my hair was, like, super long.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah, it was
1: my metal Oh, phase. yeah, I remember, uh-huh. Yeah, so um, you've seen pictures. I've
0: seen, I have seen photos of the metal was Glorious,
1: photos. it was glorious, yes. It's like it
0: was good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so
1: <laughs> I, had it, I had it long for a few years, and um, I remember... A, a lady at our church, and she's awesome. I like, I love her. She was really close, almost like a family member. She was yeah. like, "Now, Stephen, you can't be having long hair like that." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. She was like, "Well, you see, a good Christian boy is going to cut their hair. Yeah, Not have it long like that. Come on." And I was like, Come "Okay, on, Christian Jesus." had long hair and then she said some we- this is totally not true but she was like well actually the type of uh tribe that he was from they would have had it like not that long blah blah she's first of all that's not true. But then I was just like
0: First of all, no.
1: Yeah but, but I didn't even say that. I was like all right okay let's let's take that. Well smile Samson smile and wave smile and wave. Samson
0: power in his hair
1: not allowed to cut his hair. So
0: so God likes long hair confirmed.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's kinda left it there. So I had a good relationship with her Uh, she was close to us, but like, it was super judgy. Yeah. Do you have like any encounters of, of Oh, I,
0: I went to a Baptist school, like a Baptist private school for like kindergarten through junior high. All right. And so I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty tall. I'm almost five ten, And so like my arms are really long. My legs are really long, whatever. And they had like a rule that was like your shorts have to be at your fingertips. Hmm right because it's It's like when you have long arms that part and and you know because super super you know whatever on modesty and 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 what's appropriate to wear and all the things to be you know honoring god so Mm -hmm. it's like no sweatpants and like you have to be nicely dressed at school all the things which is fine but i would like be like this much off Mm. and my my arms are long like i like they would almost go to like my knees and I was like at that point, I'm not wearing shorts <laughs> <Right>.
1: yeah, <laughs> at yeah. that
0: point. They're just pants. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and every single time, every single time. And mm. they weren't short. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't an issue, but it was like, no, like, and then they would bring you in and be like, w- "Is that? What God, is that what Jesus would want you to wear? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm wearing pants. <laughs> I'm wearing capris. <laughs> like what do you want me to do? So yeah, it's, it, it just depends. I've so had, one,
1: one of those issues then is like legalism, that is based on cultural taboos and stuff like, mm-hmm. uh, like co- cultural things that shift and change from culture to culture. Yes. And so that's a big part of church hurt because you have all these rules that are added onto. And then the question is, is that like a colonial impulse? Hmm. You know what I mean, so like, okay, no, I'm not making you a, I'm not making you a disciple. I'm making you an American disciple, hmm. a disciple in this way.
0: Yeah. A making you A Western with, disciple. and right. making you a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, um, so if, if you think about, like, because uh, I'm, I'm half Puerto Rican, so, like, in Puerto Rico is, like, stinking hot. And I grew up in Florida. Like it's really, really hot. Right. And, like, on the beach and stuff, people wouldn't be, like, totally covered up all the time. Right. But it wasn't seen as immodest. Right. It was because it was just, like, a really, really hot environment. And yeah. just, like, everybody kind of saw that. And so, like, the question is, if modesty is what's biblical, which it is, mm-hmm. And we understand how this shifts and changes throughout culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of church hurt can happen then, yes, because of oh, this is my definition of modesty. This is my definition of whatever it is. Yep. But that's a culturally bound definition, right? Right? Yep. So, what do you think are some examples of like hypocrisy that can lead towards uh, church hurt?
0: You know, this "do as I say, not as I do" from the pulpit can be really difficult. I mean, we've seen even recently the like documentaries of Hillsong. And the like addressing of these kind of like that quote was unquote tough, right quote, yeah quote unquote megachurches or mm-hmm. whatever that are like off out one side of their mouth that are like tithe give your first fruits to God like clothe the clothe the naked, you know, feed, you know, feed the poor, all that kind of stuff. And then they're like embezzling money
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) or they're like stealing money Mm -hmm. or it's like respect the institution of marriage, like treat your wife with respect, respect your husband, like love your spouse. And then you have like three separate affairs Mm -hmm. that get found out. Yeah. And, and, and so it's like, uh,
1: it happens way too often. It
0: happens so often. And unfortunately we've seen a lot of very public reveals Mm -hmm. of said issues which is like the the really like a a hard part of the megachurch pastor and megachurch movement is like when they make mistakes everyone sees Mm -hmm. and then it really does color a lot of people against the church because they're like oh well look look at this another pastor that you know does this or even we saw it a lot with like the catholic church abusing you know, boys and and young people and all that kind of stuff. And so it was like, well, how, how can you be, you know, preaching from the pulpit Mm -hmm. about, you know, the love and respect that, you know, you claim that, you know, the Bible teaches, and then you're going to go abuse people in your congregation. Like where does, what is that supposed to lead people to
1: believe? So I wonder if, so part of this could be also how we honestly approach the things. So like, with these mega church pastors and stuff mm-hmm. is a lot of it you know like the the fact that we make them into gods we like kind of yeah. we we you know idolize them yeah. and then when they fall like it's it's it really hard our yeah. Faith, yeah and then it's also it's not just on us like the leaders can also position themselves to be godlike yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so that's a really tough one and i think that's one of the things that we saw with hillsong when um, the pastors were celebrities, yeah, you know what I mean? When they mm-hmm. were as popular as everybody else. you had, um, you know, um, the pastor from the New York Hills song hanging out with um, Kevin Durant and yeah. uh, Justin Bieber and stuff all like that. All the people,
0: right. Yeah, and
1: so, um, and, and just like, you know, the way he talks, the way he preaches and stuff is all really awesome. And then, um, you know, when, when all this stuff came out about him and you don't wanna, the problem with this is like, you don't want to be one that judges also. Yeah. Because like, I know he's a person and he's hurt a lot of people Mm -hmm. and he needs to be held accountable for that. Yes. But he's also a person that needs, you know, to work through this stuff himself with God. And so we don't want to just like completely be judgmental towards an individual, but then recognize, man, that has some really, really big consequences for the church.
0: Oh, huge consequence. It's like when Ravi Zacharias, that like huge theologian guy and then he dies and then everyone finds out that he's actually been like serially abusing women and cheating on his wife for Mm -hmm. like years. And you're like, oh, like it makes you really like, huh, like you're reflective and you're thinking, you're like, wait a second, like, oh my gosh. And I think that that's like, I remember my mom had said this to me before where she's like, people were not designed to be worshiped. Like people were not designed to be these mega church people. Like we weren't designed to be celebrities. And that's why so many people like completely fall apart because we were never designed to be the object of worship. And so it's like when we idolize pastors or churches or whatever, as like, this is the blueprint of what we should be doing as a church, or this is what we should be doing as pastors, then. Mm then we're taking the focus instead of being like, how, how does God tell us we're trying to shape it and how, Oh, well, what does Hillsong do or what does mosaic do or what does elevation do? And then when those people, because they are people, they fail, Mm -hmm. it feels very, very, very targeting of like, Oh my gosh, like I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you to lead. And it's like, because we, because we're supposed to be putting our faith in Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) supposed to put our faith and trust in the guy who won't fail. Right. The guy who's never going to have a moral failure, who's never going to have to announce that he's stepping down, yeah. who's never going to get burnt out, who's mm-hmm. never going to do like, cause so that's the danger of like mm-hmm. the idolization of mega churches or trying to emulate that kind of stuff. Cause then when they, when they, you know, eventually fall in some way or fail, it feels like a direct hit on our faith when yeah. it should never have had that much power.
1: Right. Right. All right. Tell me what you think of this idea. Okay. So a lot of this happens because of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and in churches so often we have people in leadership taking this authoritarian approach to leadership. Right. And so I was thinking, you know, biblically speaking, what is the leader? And we hear people <laughs> talking about a servant leader. And yeah. I, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's actually right. We have to understand it properly, but I think that is that that is right. right. Jesus is our greatest example of it. Right. But like, think about how in the Bible... God identifies us. Mm -hmm. So one thing I think happens is people feel a calling towards leadership, which it could be very well the case that they are, God is calling them towards some kind of leadership of some sort. Yeah. I think one of the problems is they start taking that as their identity. Yeah. That I was born to be this leader person. Right. Like leader is me. You know what I mean? And that is super problematic because then you're thinking about like, God is making one of his children to, to be dominant over another one for whatever reason. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think we got to think about what is, how are we, what is our identity? Our identity is always, I'm a child of God. Yeah. I'm a disciple of Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm filled with the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. This is the things that are actually our identity markers in this world. Right. Yeah. And so, sometimes in that God will call us to lead for particular reasons. Mm -hmm. And an example we tend to use all the time you hear pastors use it. And rightfully so is like uh, the example of Nehemiah from chapters one through seven. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And so Nehemiah was, um, he, you know, he was, he was leading the Israelites back um, out of uh, exile back. And then they were going to rebuild the temple walls. Right. Yep. And so he saw this as a thing that was finite. That was not, um, going forever. He refused to be their king afterwards, Mm -hmm. but he saw it as like a definite, like God is calling me towards this leadership. Yeah. So I think what happens is when you make that your identity, leadership can quickly turn into lordship. Mm. You start thinking of yourself as this person who was meant to dominate. And even when we have like, like in in the garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve were made and they were given dominion over all of creation. Right it's improper to think about that as they were made to dominate all of creation. Right. What is dominion in this sense? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you have this, uh, this sense of them being stewards over everything. They that's were caretakers. God's. They're caretakers. Yeah. That's, what, that's what it means to have dominion to be, yeah. to be a steward over everything that belongs to God anyways. Yep. And, um, but when we start thinking this dominion means domination, then like, oh, these are my things. These are my things that I can do.
0: Right. This is my church. These are my people. Right. This is is my situation.
1: Exactly. And the thing is, God always intended for who to be the owner. Him. God. Yeah. Right. So like, and so, so think about like the Israelites when they were brought out of Egypt with Moses brought them out of Egypt and they created their own law. Right. Mm -hmm. They didn't have an executive branch. No. God was the executive. God is king. Yeah. And they had, and they wanted
0: a king. They wanted a king.
1: he was like, nope. guys, <laughs> they had a judicial system, judges. Yeah. They even had a, um, what, what is that called? Like senate. legislative legislative system. That's I right. got you. Don't yeah, worry. The priest, <laughs> Right. And with, with the priests and stuff, yeah. but they didn't have, the executive was God. They were supposed to be, and they had this kind of like, I will, I will be your God. You will be my people. This is a covenant mm-hmm. that they entered and they yep. had, and Moses refused to be the King. Yep. And he is the example of how we were supposed to, how Israel was supposed to uh, be, led. Uh, be led. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but then we start thinking, "Hey, we need one a king." And just think about even what happened in First Samuel eight. You had Samuel warning the Israelites when they were like, "Oh, we want a king too." He was warning them. He's yep. like, "Hey, if you get a king, with just a few generations, he's going to enslave you. Yep. This is going to all happen. Everything that happened with Pharaoh and he's the Egyptians, gonna, it's going to happen to you." And by the time Solomon came, that's exactly what happened. Yep, that prophecy was fulfilled. Yep. And so, um, and so, if it's God's mind for to to be the actual leader. Yet God will empower us mm-hmm. to lead certain situations. Then we should never have this idea that we're a leader as an ident- as an identity marker for us. And yeah. I think a lot of church structures and pastors and stuff do. Mm-hmm. They'll see, see themselves as just kind of like this person who is going to lead them also in every aspect of life. Yeah. So like, Oh, I'm your spiritual leader, but uh, that means I'm also going to tell you how to do this and do that and dress and boat yeah. and do everything. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And they tend to overstep boundaries there mm-hmm. because they're not looking to God. Instead, yeah. if they're shepherding, but we're all on this journey together, there is a priesthood of all believers, right? right? Mm-hmm. We're all in this together and we're all leading towards understanding God better and being disciples better. Right. Then um, I think there's a humility that can, that should take place. I would agree. And so this kind of authoritarian leadership, it can really mess a church up, right? Yes. So if, when we talk about church hurt, mm-hmm. if a leader is domineering, dominating and seeing you that way, mm-hmm. the worst case scenario is they can start seeing you and the flock and everybody as their property. Right right? Mm -hmm. This is when leadership turns to lordship. Lords have like, they took all the land. This is like, they took all the land of of a whole society and they said, this is, uh, this is now mine and you can be a tenant back into it because they dominated. They didn't steward it. They dominated. Um, They didn't serve their people. They dominated them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest things of church hurt. Oh yeah. Every time I see it, I see people talking about pastoral leadership, just dominating them in their lives as opposed to stewarding spiritually hundred percent. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think that happens even for both like the, like a regular congregant. And then also I've, I've heard a lot of conversations with people who've been on staff
1: mm-hmm. and
0: have had a lot of pain because they are being in a way dominated by either the head pastor or executive pastor or whatever, like someone high in leadership mm-hmm. is lording over them right? and being like, Oh, well you serve this church or you serve, you know, me or whatever. And it's like at the end of the day,
1: does uh does Are your we? mom lord over? <laughs> her Although church? her last
0: name is Lord, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a pun. Then she uh, does not
0: <laughs> yeah. lord over. Yeah,
1: Megan is of the Lords, indeed so of this, the of this, the, <laughs> the
0: Megan Lords, of the Craig Lords, I guess. There
1: you go. So no lording. No, no lording. lording. <laughs> All right. Good. No. Does anybody ever make that joke? Yeah. All the time. House of the Lord is oh, a, is, is lord. one that comes Ooh, in a lot. I like that because that's a good one. That's that's just good. That's not. That's even, just good stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's good. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer.
1: Did you ever do that? Like when you were growing up, if she was like being mean, you're like, you're lording over
0: me. I did not. No, no Ugh, Missed opportunity. I know.
1: Man. Bummer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. One of the ways that people can, that leadership can be abusing mm-hmm. is, um, and this is where we start talking about spiritual abuse.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what do you think about that? Like how, how, how have you seen in church hurt, you know, m- emotional manipulating, shaming guilt tripping how Mm -hmm. have you seen these things kind of work out
0: i've seen i feel like spiritual abuse is actually a fairly new concept that i have been familiar with as i've gotten older because even as like a as like a kid who was raised in church like i didn't hear much about spiritual abuse like Mm -hmm. that wasn't really terminology that i was super familiar with yeah me neither um and so i guess more recently as i've seen like a lot a common one i guess would be like spiritual manipulation in a sense of oh well if you really loved God you would do this Mm. or it feels something along those lines like I know a lot like I've known people who have like volunteered for churches and have been like over asked Mm -hmm. for like volunteers and then when they want to push back on their leadership and be like "Ah, this is like I I can't be committed to like all of this Mm -hmm. all of these hours or whatever and then they're, they're they're hit with like a response along the lines of like oh well if you really loved the Lord then you would want to serve his people yeah. Or, oh, if you, really, if you really cared about the church and you really wanted to serve God, then you would do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I've heard terminology like that, where it's like when you start to say things where it's like, oh, well, if you really loved God or, mm-hmm. oh, if you really, really wanted to serve the Lord or, oh, if you really were serious about your calling,
1: mm-hmm. then
0: you would want to do this. Or saying like, oh, God would be so disappointed
1: yeah. in you. So they're defining for the people mm-hmm. what loyalty and fidelity to God Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, like, okay, God has called you. That's something. But yep. like, if God has called you, you'll do what I'm asking you to do right here.
0: Yeah. The, if then statements of mm-hmm. like, if you, if God called you to something, then you have to do this thing for me right, or for the church. But they're, when, ins-
1: they're inserting themselves as a mediator of between God and you. Yes. Yeah.
0: Or adding cute little salvation pieces where they're like, Oh, well, if you really were saved, mm-hmm. if you really were interested in, in expanding the kingdom, mm-hmm. then you would do these things. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, interesting. So how interesting, can, interesting, how thinking?
1: could you say something like that where there is just a good pastoral insight that's not manipulative? How can you, how can you say, like, for example, you're seeing a, a, a kid or somebody just recently got saved mm-hmm. and then they're sinning and stuff. Yeah. And how, how do you say this is not, discipleship is not the walk?
0: Yeah. Like this is not how we live. Or right. Something like that. I'm someone who, who has encountered people in various stages of either, you know, of their walk with the Lord where they're either like mid sinning or they're trying to walk out of stuff or whatever, whatever. And I feel like what even I have learned personally is like obedience to God is out of relationship and love for him. Like Mm -hmm. if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Yeah. Not if you're forced into it, you will obey my commandments. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there's something so important about facilitating someone's relationship with the Lord more than the acts of obedience, because it's like if you're so interested in changing people, it's behavioral modification at that point. Like, right. oh, well, if you if you just do these things, then blah, 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 blah. And it's like, n- well, Okay. Like there is a way absolutely that Christians should be living and conducting themselves and all of that kind of stuff. And just because a church asks you to live that way does not mean that they are abusing you. Right. Like if you're in leadership and you're acting the fool on Saturday (laughs) and, and your pastor says you can't lead, that's not spiritual abuse. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you that right now. Um, but (laughs) if you are someone who is, is, is learning and to live the life of a believer or something along those lines, then, to to be in conversation and say, hey, like, why are we doing these things? Mm-hmm. Like, let's find out the heart of like, why people are either sinning or what's going on in their lives. Because even I had a friend who struggled with different sins and stuff. And he was like, my, the Lord didn't want to necessarily deal. He wanted, he wanted to deal with sins in order. Like you want to deal with the thing that looks as bad. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I, I, I steal or whatever. So it's like, oh, I got, we got to stop him from doing that. It's like facilitate someone's relationship with the Lord and the Lord will call it out. Mm-hmm. Like if you push someone, you're like, okay, like, let's figure out, let's talk about why you're doing this. Let's partner in discipleship. Let's push you closer to the Lord. Yeah. And then the Lord, let's trust God to mm-hmm. convict. Let's trust God to be like, th- that's not cool dog. Like, <laughs> cause it's just behavioral modification. If you tell yeah. people like, Oh, just, you just need to stop doing this. Yeah, yeah. Then that's, it's not, they're not doing that out of a desire to obey God. Mm-hmm. They're doing it as out of a desire to appease you. Right. And, and I feel like that's the wrong, that's the wrong intent.
1: Yeah. It gets towards legalism again.
0: Yeah. Where it's like, we, we just, cause you have a bunch of people in your church that look like they're doing the right thing. But mm-hmm. that's why the concept of like, secret sin is really like someone looks like they're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. a lot. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, they've been doing this thing behind the scenes for a really long time. And it's like, because you were, because you it was behavior modification. It wasn't, I love God so much Mm -hmm. that I want to give up all of my worldly desires. I'm putting, I'm dying to myself. I'm putting my sins up on this cross. I am picking up my cross and I'm following, following God. Like it's not out of a desire to do that. It's out of a desire to, to look the part.
1: Yeah. Dallas Willard has a good way of saying it. He calls it like your sin management hmm. where like, we like every day of life is just like you managing your sin. So that way you're not sinning that much or anything like that. Yeah. But it's a fundamentally wrong way to live. Yeah. So you're living in the negation. You're living in the things that you're not supposed to do. Yeah. As opposed to being lived by an overflow of the spirit in your life. Right. So, um, there's an old sermon example that you probably have heard, um, that I've even published about like, I, like, like, it's like it's just it's just, I've, like heard it's it, just good stuff. I've heard it a million times but it's a good example so like if you have like a cup mm-hmm. and you want to get all the air out of the cup what do you do do you like put it in a vacuum suck all the air out <laughs> you know what i'm saying but like yeah. like really shortly after in any given situation air is going to go right back into it right, right? like that's just what happens yep and so um and even and it's it's like maybe different but it's still air like it's not going to come out yeah but one surefire way to doing it is to fill the cup. Come on. And let it overflow.
0: Oh yeah. Come right? on.
1: Overflow, Holy Spirit. Overflow, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this example obviously is like if you're overflowing with the Holy Spirit, yeah. the sin will leave not because you're focusing on the sin, but because you're focusing on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Which is a different thing. So you're op- you're ho- you're focusing on the God of life, not on the life that you just left behind. Right. But the thing is I think Often, churches, they do what you're saying is they try to modify behavior, yep. which is leading in that way of just like what is the life you left behind? let's focus on that so you not do that, yeah, as opposed to encouraging people to live fully in the life of spirit, yeah, you know because well, think- then
0: when people either sin or trip up or whatever in their walk, there's the immediate response is shame, right, shame, shame, shame shame, like you couldn't you couldn't hold up your appearance right shame, right, like oh guilt tripping like mm-hmm. if you all oh, well if you really love God then you wouldn't have sinned yeah <laughs> and it's like well yeah, well yeah but we're all like works in progress like yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all gonna goof like all of us it's it's gonna happen
1: <laughs> here the greatest example I think we can have is the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees Yeah. so Jesus is yeah. right he's showing us how to live and, and the way he lives is a gracious generous God who goes to the sinners to go to all the people and, and, and shows them love and, and doesn't tell them to keep in their sin, you know, says go and sin no more. Yes. But like approaches them with love and and generosity and grace. And then, um, and then the disciples afterwards are those who are talking about life in the spirit and how that opposes life in the flesh and how life in the flesh is governed. As Paul talks about this is governed by the law, right? But the law is rigid and strict, but like, but being led by the spirit, Yep. It's not rigid. Yep. And so, um, and I think that's precisely the issue. So like the Pharisees are are sitting here um, looking at the law, keeping the letter, right? Just being real rigid. And so you yeah. have all these like technical people, like yeah. well, technically. <laughs> and then you also have like people like, oh, well this doesn't look good. This doesn't look right. Yeah. And you have that again, when really you're supposed to just walk in lockstep with the spirit. Yep. And then you're going to be this loving presence everywhere. Nobody's going to deny your faith because you're so, uh, Loving and generous towards people. Yeah. Right. So I think it's not, we can't really speak of a one stop shop like this is the answer against church hurt. Yeah. But we can call out that there's spiritual abuse that's happening from faulty leadership, from leadership that's not being held accountable for them thinking, you know, an entitlement that like I have been given this opportunity to dominate. Yeah. And then the method of what they're doing is legalistic yeah. and um, and behavior modification. And a lot of times hypocritical, yeah. <laughs> all these things together yeah. lead to like a really bad recipe of people being hurt by 100%. the church.
0: 100%.
1: So what do you think are some of the things that a Christian should do if they're struggling with church hurt?
0: For me, I think I have experienced church hurt in different contexts before. And even as someone who like loves the Lord so much, mm-hmm. like, got a degree in ministry, getting a master's in theological studies, like loves God.
1: Speaking of,
0: Oh, speaking this of this
1: podcast is brought to you by the college of theology and ministry at life Pacific university. Yes, it is where Megan graduated from.
0: Yes, I did
1: with her degree in ministry period. All right. Had we, to put that in there had before to drop that. we forgot. Of course. Cause <laughs> yeah. we do that. Oops. Yes. Sorry, everyone.
0: Um, and even I, when I experienced church hurt, it was really shaking. Like mm-hmm. I was like, like someone who loved, like loved the Lord for real. And so even like I have seen like firsthand how really hard it can be to, to recover from church hurt and Mm, me too feeling, yeah, like feeling really wronged in a space that, you know, you thought was, you know, safe or something along those lines. Um, and what I had to do and what I would encourage anybody to do is to make sure that the church that you don't put the church at the same level as Jesus, like mm-hmm. that you are separating, like the church and Christians. They represent Jesus to a degree because that's what we were called to do. We're
1: supposed to, <laughs> yes, yeah, because we're to, supposed to be doing. Yeah,
0: but because we are people, we will fail. Mm-hmm. And when people fail, and they do cause hurt, and you are on the receiving end of that hurt, I had to to learn to separate. Okay, these people are not Jesus. <laughs> right, <laughs> like. The church is not God. God is not these things that these people are acting. And oftentimes church hurt is because people are not acting biblically. Yeah. Um, And, and church hurt happens because Christians are not living the way that we have Christ like manner in which we are called to live. And so I had to separate like, okay, God is still good. Mm -hmm. And God is still is calling us to be better. And, and Jesus is not intended for us to live like this. Mm -hmm. And I really had to, to, put my faith back in, okay, my, my faith is in God. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is rooted in what the Bible says. And if, even if people treat me poorly, mm-hmm. that is not going to reflect That's on good. the way that I view God. That's good. Cause those two things are entirely separate. That's good. And even though the church should be better mm-hmm. and even though Christians should be better, we're, sometimes we're not. And, yeah. and sometimes we hurt each other and that is the reality um, but also it doesn't mean you have to stay where you have been hurt. Mm. Like you have to process it. You are responsible for processing your church hurt just because you have been hurt does not mean that you now get to walk around with a chip on your shoulder for the rest of your life. Right? Like God calls us <laughs> to forgiveness. Um, even if that doesn't mean that you go back to that church, Right. even if it doesn't mean you go back to where you were hurt. Cause I don't necessarily believe that God calls us all to go back to where we were wounded. Like maybe he is, but, our call is to forgiveness. So if we've been hurt, um, we are allowed to process that and we are allowed to have feelings about that. And we are allowed to take that to the Lord, but, but bring your pain and anger to the Lord because he will help you forgive. Right. Forgiveness is not a solo sport. Mm -hmm. Like we are not in it and we have to will and muster up the strength to forgive people who wrong us. But we bring that to the Lord and the Lord helps us forgive And then we are able to move forward. But I don't think God intended for us to, if we have church hurt to then just turn our back on the church as a whole. I think that there's a a restoration process that the Lord wants to take people who have been hurt by the church through and eventually get back to, to a church (laughs) because we've been called to live in community um, with other believers, like all that kind of stuff. But church hurt is real, but we are also responsible for dealing with it.
1: Yeah. And I think, so I've experienced it too. And I would, I would say that like probably the majority of Christians have experienced church hurt to some degree. Yes. And so, um, and so for me, and I think this is kind of, this is definitely part of the way God has made me. And, and I think people are different and we're all, you know, different and importantly different, Yes. you know, purposefully different mm-hmm. and beautifully different. But one of the things that, um the what God made me is like when something didn't make sense, like I just got like real fired up about it. Yeah. And so, But there is something about if you experience church hurt, you are also part of the church. Yeah. So God could very well be calling you to be a change agent. Hmm. Maybe in that church, or maybe when you lead something else, a ministry in the future, you'll know what not to do. Yeah. Like I'm a professor now, I get to teach about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It's one of the privileges that I have. Mm -hmm. And part of it is how to, like, make a health, healthy dynamics in leadership, like how to, how to healthily, you know, uh, lead people through, um, uh, problems and, and theological issues and traumas in in a way that doesn't traumatize them further or or anything (laughs) like that. Right. And so, um, being a change agent is recognizing that there is a reality of church hurt and that will continue to happen because people are people, but then realizing that, that when you're in a situation like that, God might be calling you to the very difficult task of confronting it. Yeah. Or God might be calling you to the very difficult task of leaving. Yeah. And you should know which is which. Which is which. Because it's, cause, cause it's not, you know, we don't want to condone just jumping around. And I think yeah. millennials and Gen Z, I think that's one of the issues church that we have. Is, we, we do a lot of church hopping. Yeah, and, for sure. And that is not good. No. Because sometimes... let. I think a big part of it is to know the heart of the pastor and the leader and stuff like that. He could have came up where she could have came up from a, 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 a mentality that was a little more of the domination thing, yeah. but then might be like totally gifted and called and like really, really good. Just like
0: yeah.
1: needs to, needs to hear from you. Yeah. Like literally needs to hear from you how something that they're doing is affecting them. Yeah. You know, coming in love Give and stuff like that. Give people
0: a chance to change.
1: Give people a chance <laughs> exactly, <laughs> to, be,
0: to be better. And that's a huge, like what if we just drop, we don't just drop everybody who ever does one thing wrong right. to us or we would all be alone. Like, that,
1: and that's a great way of saying it. Give them a chance to change. And then if it doesn't happen, and, they, and the abuse keeps happening, mm-hmm. then see where God is leading you because he might be leading you somewhere else because yeah. you don't want that abuse to happen to your family. You know what no. I mean? No. And so, um, but that's, so it's not cancel culture. We're not going to cancel somebody, no. but we're going to give them an opportunity for repentance, for reconciliation, yeah. for change. Yeah. But it's also not like blindly following and not holding <laughs> things accountable. For
0: sure. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. I remember when my mom would tell me a story. Uh, my mom told me a story when she was really young. She was like, yeah, like I was having disputes with people and she's like, and the Lord just called me to pray. And so I from the from the time I was kind of small was like had this mindset of like, okay, pray for the people that have harmed me. Yeah. Pray for the places that have hurt me because it's really hard to be to be angry and bitter towards somebody that you're praying about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. like it's really hard because you because the Lord's changing your heart, like yeah. prayer changes your heart. So if you've been in a place where church has really, really harmed you, I would challenge you mm-hmm. to pray over them and pray about like I my prayers to God. Sometimes I just be yelling. Mm -hmm. I just be yelling. I go sit in my car. I, it parked somewhere and I just be yelling and I'm like, uh, like
1: you're telling me that I need to be praying for middle schoolers. (laughs) Yes.
0: That's (laughs) That's the (laughs) challenge of this, but Uh, I will go. And I literally like, I tell the Lord how it is. Like I am mm -hmm. an angry prayer. Like sometimes like, I am somebody so who, David like,
1: at times we got a psalm Yeah.
0: Like we, like I feel like we have to be more transparent with our anger with the Lord. Like the Lord doesn't want to just hear mm-hmm. like when things are going really well. And when you're thanking him, cause like do those things. Absolutely. Or, and, but don't, not just when you're like asking for he stuff, he wants to feel the
1: full range but of feel who you the are.
0: things like God yeah. can shoulder your anger. So literally I will go and I will scream and I will yell and I will do all the things that I'm like, Lord, that place hurt me or that person hurt me. And I, you know, like David, like I want to see my enemies obliterated from this. <laughs> <or, like, laughs> earth, yeah. And I get real extra existential and dramatic. And then by the end of it, I'm like, okay.
1: You just needed to the Lord. To I needed that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah.
0: and then my mind, I literally can feel my like heart changing and being like, okay, but Lord you, that place is still anointed and you have still put a call on that pastor's yeah. life and those people there.
1: I don't even know how many times that, that that realization has come to me through prayer. Yeah, where God's just telling me, "This is my child too." Yeah, because like, oh. if it were up
0: to me, I'd be like, yeah. "Burn, <laughs> smite him, smite, get smite, get right. smote, like smit
1: <laughs> smitted, like smitted." smitten the, is not right.
0: Like take the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. take the whole thing away. Like, but the Lord will bring me to a place of right. like I am angry praying, and then He's like, "Okay, like now that I've gotten that out, because anger's bi- anger will get make you bitter. Like anger will fester. So if you get that out." And then you're like, okay.
1: That, what's, Lord, what's important is to, to pray angrily to God, not to stay angry, not to
0: stay angry. Yeah. Right. Pray angry. Don't stay. Come on.
1: Yeah, that's a nice, that's a good
0: one. That's a good one. Write that down. Pray to everybody. Angry, don't angry.
1: Don't stay angry. Don't
0: stay angry. And then you're like, okay. And then the Lord is, will help, you know, m- minister your heart and, mm-hmm. and, and change it and soften it. And cause it's, I'm telling you, it's so hard to stay mad and stay bitter at somebody that you're praying about. Yep. Let me tell you something like,
1: <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I think, um, I think we don't have perfect answers for church hurt. No. And um, because we are also hurt and uh, part of what we're doing with TikTok theology is not to just give a bunch of answers, but to kind of explore these issues a little bit.
0: Yeah. Bring in new thoughts,
1: bring in some thoughts and just, um, and hopefully it can be helpful to somebody who's experiencing church hurt because it certainly is the case.
0: It is the case. We're going to put in the show notes, a book by Natalie Runyon. And it's called Raised to Stay. And she essentially writes a whole book about how to stay in church and how to stay committed to the faith and how to stay um, in places that you've been hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was super powerful. She's got an incredible ministry and she's actually spoken at LPU, absolutely brought the house down. Um, And I I would challenge you that if you're in a space where you've been hurt, by the church, um, or hurt by Christians. Um, that's an incredible book to really order, dig into cry over.
1: There's always resources. There's always some other stuff in there too, to help you out. And, um, just know this is a dialogue. So, um, just like Megan was saying during the deconstruction episode, um, don't deconstruct alone. Yeah. Don't, ex, don't go through church hurt alone. You yeah. know, there's uh, uh, so many people are going to empathize and, and feel exactly what you're feeling because yeah. um, it's unfortunately too, too ever present. Yeah. And so, um, but just know that that Jesus is there and, um, and it's the difficult realization that Jesus both loves you in and your, the person, and you're the person you're, who's hurting hurt, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, that's good. So anyways, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, thank you guys for listening.
0: We'll see you in the next one.